Chapter Twenty Four of the Wild Huntress. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recorded by Sylvia M. B. in Washington State. The Wild Huntress by Thomas Main Reed. Chapter Twenty Four. Waiting the Word. In truth, was it a fearful moment, one to shake the steadiest nerves or thrill the stoutest heart. To me it was an ordeal far more terrible than that of an ordinary duel, for there was, lacking the motive, at least on my side, which usually stimulates to an affair of honour. Since if wrong I felt, but too slightly for revenge, not enough to steal the heart to the spilling of blood. Anger I had felt, but the moment before, and then I could have fought even to the death. But my blood that had boiled up for an instant now ran coldly through my veins, the unexpected behaviour of my adversary had calmed my wrath, acting upon it like oil upon troubled water. Thus, to fight without seconds, to die without friend to speak the last word of worldly adieu, or take the life of another without human being to attest the fairness of the act, no earthly eye beholding us, no living creature save the black vultures, appropriate instruments to give the death signal, ominous witnesses of the dark deed such were the appalling reflections that came before my mind as i stood facing my determined antagonist it would scarcely be true to say that i felt not fear and yet it was less cowardice than a sort of vague vexation at risking my life in so causeless a conflict there was something absolutely ludicrous in standing up to be shot at merely to square with the whim of this eccentric squatter and to shoot at him seemed equally ridiculous either alternative upon reflection appeared the very essence of absurdity and having ample time to reflect, while awaiting the signal, I could not help thinking how farcical was the whole affair. No doubt I might have laughed at it had I been a mere looker-on, herald or spectator, but unfortunately being a principal in this deadly duello, a real wrestler in the backwoods arena, the provocative to mirth was given in vain, and only served to heighten the solemnity of the situation. The circumstances might have elicited laughter, but the contingency, turn whatever way it might, was too serious to admit of levity on my part either horn of the dilemma presented a sharp point to suffer one's self to be killed in this sans facun was little else than suicide while to kill smacked strongly of murder and one or the other was the probable issue nay more than probable for as i bent my eyes on the resolute countenance of my vis-a-vis i felt certain that there was no chance of escaping from the terrible alternative he stood perfectly immobile his long rifle raised to the ready with its muzzle pointing towards me and in his eye I could not read the slightest sign that he wavered in his determination that grey-green orb was the only member that moved his body limbs and features were still and rigid as the stump behind which he stood the eye alone showed signs of life i could see its glance directed toward three points in such rapid succession that it might be said to look three ways at once to the decoy upon the ground to the shadowy forms upon the tree and towards myself its chief object of surveillance merciful heavens is there no means to avert this doom of dread is it an absolute necessity that i must kill either this colossus or be myself slain is there no alternative is there still no chance of an arrangement hopeless as it appeared i resolved to make a last effort for peace once more i should try the force of an appeal if he refused to assent to it my position would be no worse better indeed since i stood in need of some stimulus to arouse me to an attitude even of defence this thought swaying me i called out halt 
You are a brave man. I know it. Why should this go on? Is it not too late? You are a coward, cried he, interrupting me. And I know it. A sneaking coward in spite of your sort of clothes. Shit up your darned head or you'll scare away the birds. And by the eternal infant you do, I fire at you. The first that takes wing. Let that be the signal, then, cried I, roused to an impatient indignation by this new insult. The first that takes wing. Agreed, was a quick rejoinder, delivered in a tone that bespoke determination to abide by it. My irresolution troubled me no longer. Thus, driven to bay, I felt that further forbearance would not only be idle but dangerous. It was plain with my life to leave it in the hands of this unrelenting enemy. Better make him suffer for his sanguinary folly than be myself its victim. Stirred by these thoughts, I grasped my rifle, now for the first time with a determination to make use of it. By the same prompting, my eye became active, watching with resolute regard the movements of the birds, and measuring the ground that separated me from my adversary. Notwithstanding the sting which his words had inflicted, I was yet hampered by some considerations of mercy. I had no desire to kill the man, if I could avoid it. To cripple him would be sufficient. I had no fear of his having the shot before me. Long practice had given me such adroitness in the use of my weapon that I could handle it with the quickness and skill of a juggler. Neither did I fear to miss my aim. I had perfect reliance on the sureness of my sight, and with such a mark as the huge body of the squatter it was impossible I could miss. In this respect the advantage was mine, and at so short a distance I could have ensured a fatal shot had such been my intention. But it was not. The very contrary was my wish, to draw blood without inflicting a mortal wound. This would perhaps satisfy the honour of my antagonist, and bring our strife to an end. Whether any such consideration was in his mind I could not tell. It was not visible in his eye, nor in his features, that, throughout the whole scene, preserved their stern, statue-like rigidity. There was no help for it, no alternative but to shoot at him, and shoot him down, if possible, only to wing him but of course a sense of my own danger rendered this last of less than secondary importance. A single exchange of shots would no doubt decide the affair, and the advantage would fall to him who was quickest on the trigger. To obtain this advantage, then, I watched with eager eye the behavior of the birds. In like manner was my antagonist occupied. End of chapter 24